Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. There we go. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to the first gospel, there's an account of the feeding of the 5,000 and the subsequent storm. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you again and again. Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24. This, is, this account is in Matthew. It's in Mark. It's in Luke. It's in John. Why? If an account is in every gospel, there's probably a reason why it's in every gospel. It's muy importante, which translation is very important. So Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24. He took your spot wearing black because of black. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24. So we would like to teach on, on storm preparation. And they're talking about a storm. And, and uh, regardless, we don't know exactly if this is going to be anything or a much ado about nothing. But Matthew chapter 14 and verse 24. And I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Uh, for a lot of the Bible stuff, you want to kind of put your finger in there. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, the Sea of Galilee. It was really a big lake, eight miles across, right? It was a big, huge lake, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So have you heard about this new diet they have for squirrels? It's just nuts. So, but sometimes, so here in Florida, we are aware of something called hurricane season. We're on the Atlantic seaboard. If you're in the Caribbean, this year, hurricane season, it begins June 1st, and it will end, uh, well, <laughs> it's November 1st, <laughs> I guess, and we still have storms, right? So, but these dates really, obviously, storms occur in Florida and in other places year-round. But the hurricane season is when there's the most activity for the genesis or the creation of these storms in the Atlantic. So that's why they kind of narrow it down to that time period and call it hurricane season. So uh, we would like to share on what it is to prepare for a storm. And, you know, it's kind of nice because in Florida... Isn't it nice? I mean, you say, well, the storm's coming. Heads up. Wouldn't that be nice to be given a heads up for, hey, guess what? Your, your vehicle's going to break down in three days. You can all make all the phone calls and get everything. But we don't get those heads up, do we? We don't know that we're going to have a medical emergency uh, in three days. So we can prepare and go do this or do that. Or there's going to be like, I was sitting there. And there was just a drip that's, that's, what is that drip? And it was dripping from the second floor. Thank God that's also our place, right? So we were able to stop the drip, but it just started. You didn't get three-day heads up that you're going to start to have a drip from your ceiling. But thank God we do here. But my point in the, in the first thing that I'd like to share is that the time to prepare for the storm is now. The time to prepare for the storm is now. So prior to the storm that the disciples found themselves in, it was a real storm. We have Matthew chapter 14, and beginning in verse 15, we have the account 
where Jesus multiplied the bread and multiplied the fish to the disciples. And the Bible says that they only had five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, well, bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves, the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. You know what? I never get tired of reading the Bible. And, and it says, and they all did eat. They had a potluck, right? And were filled and they took up of the fragments that remained 12 baskets full, which incidentally was the amount of disciples. So there was a basket for each disciple. Not sure that they got one each, but it sounds like a gift bag. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. So it's interesting. So when God does a miracle, so preacher, what kind of storm preparation is that? I believe before we get into something, God preps us for it. And if you go to a revival, you go to a conference, maybe you even go to a Bible study, or maybe God just blesses you. There is a message in this miracle. So they were prepping for a test. And you know that kids that go to school and they study all this stuff, you know there's going to be a test. They don't just go to school and study subtraction and multiplication and then go home. They are being prepared to be tested on that material. So could it be that Jesus, he was getting the disciples ready for a test? Because as soon as it was over, he constrained. That means he said, get in the ship, do it. Why? Because. Have you ever had uh, parents say that? Because. And that's all they say is just because. Just get in. He constrained the disciples. He said, I'll dismiss the multitude. I'll clean up. I'll turn off the lights, so to speak. And you get in the ship and meet me on the other side. Some of the things, the miracle, the message in the miracle is that Jesus always has a plan. You see, in prepping for the storm, they didn't know the storm was coming. And brethren, I, I wish I could tell you I knew about the storms that we'd all face in our life, whether they were this one that they're talking about uh, or a, a life storm. But I, I, I would say that we could look to God and find out that in another accounting of this same thing, the feeding of the 5,000, in John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, the Bible said, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence or where shall we buy bread that these may eat? So a little boy didn't give his lunch. They actually bought it because Jesus said, Where are we going to buy it? And this he said to prove him. For he himself knew what he would do. Storms don't surprise God, okay? God always has a plan. Now, these disciples weren't in a storm yet, but God always has a plan for the storm. Wouldn't it be better if your husband remembered that, Sister Bigelow? 
when they're in the storm. It was, just, it was something, it's so, so many things are going wrong one day and then all the dash lights came on in my car. I'm like, oh, I was waiting for that. It's like the one thing. At least my car is not going crazy. And I said, well, I didn't verbalize it. And she said, actually, you did. Because on the way to church, I said, well, at least I'm not driving to AutoZone. And then on the way home at Sunday night, bloop, all the lights came on. I'm like, there it is. Just waiting for that, right? But I said, preacher, what else do you need to do in storm preparation? Well, realize God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. Second of all, bring things to Jesus before the storm. Bring things to Jesus. Why would you wait to come to hit an altar call on Sunday morning if something that you need on Monday night? Go bring it to Jesus on Monday night. So preacher, I think I'm going to quit this thing in my life, the next revival. Why are you going to wait for the revival? Do it before the storm hits. Reverend Love is a good preacher, but he probably wouldn't want you to wait for the next time he came by to rectify that thing in your life. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, and they say unto him in verse 17, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And then Jesus said, says he said, bring them hither to me. Bring them hither to me. So we find out, that God has a plan, that we need to bring things to Jesus. And this before the storm hits. I mean, keep your life clean. And the second or the third thing is that God wants us to be part of his plan. We need to realize this before the storm hits because we can doubt God when the storm hits. We can be like, God, why? Why me, God? Have you ever asked this question? Why not me? Most of us don't. We're like, why? God, why? And you never get an answer, right? You just, it feels good to say why. But God wants you to be part of his plan. Now notice in Matthew chapter 14, verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples came unto him saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals that they can take care of themselves. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. See, when Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, what did he do? He didn't like throw it like footballs. I remember when we were in boot camp in the military, and this one drill instructor would pass out mail. He would take it like a ninja star and he'd take the letter and he'd call the recruit's name and then he'd whip it at you like and throw it at you. Well, Jesus didn't do that. What did Jesus do? He had these disciples that were part of his plan and he gave the bread and the fish to the disciples and the disciples, they had a job. They were part of God's plan. In fact, without it, Jesus would have had a long time. Can you imagine being in a buffet line? with one server and there's 5,000 men and then there's 5,000 women and then there's 10,000 children. That's 20,000 people waiting for one. But wait, I got 12 servers. And so he had waiters and that's what deacon means. Deacon was basically a minister, a waiter. The deacon would go out there and feed the people. You see, God wants you to be part of his plan. He has a place for you. And brethren, there's plenty to do for God. So preacher, what do I need to do? Well, it's interesting because if you look at Mark chapter 6, 
verse 51. And this was after Jesus Christ had calmed the storm that they were in after the feeding of the 5,000. And the Bible said, and he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. And listen to this, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves for their heart was hardened. So what I'm saying is to say, preacher, but everybody preps for the storm, but the disciples didn't. That means God had done this miracle, and as soon as the hard things happened, they forgot that the same one that multiplied the bread and the fish, the same one that blessed you with that bonus, the same one that did this thing in your life, he's the same God even when the storm clouds come, even when the waves come, even when the wind comes. But they didn't realize it because they didn't prep for the storm. So when you're prepping for the storm, Jesus said that it's the last thing he said in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 7 and verses 24 to 27. And let's look at uh, the Bible says in verse 24. Therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. And it's probably a nice day. He's teaching outside. So it's pre-storm prep. I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. What he was saying was that storms are coming. Say, preacher, that's so negative. How about I say it this way? I'm positive that storms are coming. So what do you do? I have an emergency fund. Why don't you say, preacher, you're just egging on things going wrong. I'm not egging on things going wrong. Things go wrong. People get sick. Cars break down. There was one preacher that said, well, I don't buy medicine. And I, look, I don't, other preachers might, I don't buy medicine because I'm just inviting sickness, basically. If I buy medicine, I'm saying, no, 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 that's not what I do. I buy medicine. And I have a daughter. I buy medicine for kids and I put it in my house so that when my daughter gets sick, I don't have to go to Walmart. You know where I go? My cupboard. Why? Because I prepared for the storm. What happens if your car breaks down? I whine a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and a little bit, but then I go fix it. Why? Because I prepared for the storm. The time to prepare for the storm is before the storm, right? Don't go try to buy water and bread the day before the hurricane. No water. For some reason, people eat bread and drink water during a storm, I guess so, because there's nothing left. So they pass the Passover. Hey, that's good. That's good. It's a Passover meal, right? Well, what about a diet? Is there such thing as a pre-storm diet? There is. There's the keto diet. There's the paleo diet. There's the lettuce diet. There's a lettuce diet? Mm-hmm. Pre-storm diet. It's actually in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses 22, 23, and 24. So there's three types of lettuce that we would like to have in our lives before a storm. So preacher, are you serious? No, I'm joking, but okay. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22. This is a pre-storm diet. So again, what I'm saying is that brethren, storms are going to happen to all of us. And I, I joke because it seems like my wife and I have just experienced like a sampler. It's just like everything. It's just like, really? 
I mean, you name it, we've probably got it. So anyway, so, and it's, it's, it's unlikely. It's not where you're looking from. It comes from other places. Like, where did that come from? I mean, like, honey, are we doing something wrong? And I'm going to get into that. But you think sometimes that you're out of the will of God if you're in a storm. But that's the second thing I'd like to share. I'm almost there. But don't, don't think that. It's not necessarily true. So Hebrews chapter 10, the first lettuce. The Bible says in verse 22, lettuce. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let's get close to God when things are good. You know, when things are bad, we're not usually going to get closer to God. We're going to manifest our walk with God. So let's have some lettuce. Let's draw near to God. Let's pray. Let's read our Bible. Let's forgive people. Let's let people merge into traffic. Okay, let's draw near to God. The second thing, verse 23, let us, there's some more lettuce to eat in our pre-storm diet. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And then it says in parentheses, for he is faithful that is promised. If God made you a promise, he's going to keep it. And so when things are good, when the air conditioning's on, just hold on. So make up your mind, I'm going to hold on to my Christianity. You never know when it might get tested. But before the storm hits, just make up your mind. Well, I'm just going to serve God. Well, I'm just going to make it to church. Well, I'm just going to be a giver. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do the right thing. And the last lettuce is verse 23. Let us. And it's one, two, three right after each other. Let us hold fast. That's not what I meant to say. Verse 24. And let us. Let us. Verse 24. The third lettuce. Consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. Isn't that something? I was talking to brother in, uh, in, the, in the car a little bit earlier as we were soul winning. And I said, there's really, I, I look at it, soul winning is kind of three levels. And I said, the first level is someone who's never come to church. And you're reaching out to them to tell about God. And people kind of understand that. But you know what? We also need to realize that there's another level. There's people that have come. They've come once in a while. Maybe they just, you know, once a month or whatever. Say, well, preacher, they're good. They're in church. No, we need to reach them too. You know, not just to love and to provoke uh, unto good works those that are, haven't heard about God, but what about someone that's come? That's the second. People that have visited before, people that have come to church before, they still need to be one. They still need to have attention. They still need to have someone care about them. And then the third level, and sometimes we forget about this. The third level of people that we need to provoke unto love and good works, we need to soul win the brethren. That means people who are Christian. That means people who are the children's church teachers and they play the instruments and preach the messages. And, uh, you know, the people that are there every day and the ushers and the... The hushers, right? And the deacons say, well, oh, they're good. They're good. They, they're good. God blesses them. No, that's not true. The Bible says that we're to honor all men, but then it upgrades and it says we'll love the brotherhood. There is a command to soul win. And I was talking to uh, the brother and I said, you know, we need to soul win like our families. Soul win our wife. Soul win our children. Soul win the brethren at church. Be a blessing to them. Why? Because that's a pre-storm diet. Lettuce. You know, also, you might be flying out of a storm 
If you've been in a plane, you're flying out of a storm. This one man was in a plane, and I guess he was reading something on his, on his phone or something or online. But, you know, you're going out of a storm. Someone else might be just getting ready to go in one. You know what? Maybe that someone is you. But you've been a blessing to someone. They've come out of the storm, and they see you're in a storm, and maybe you'll just get your blessing from them because you've been a blessing to them when they were in your storm. And you can do it, you can do it low-key, but just be a blessing. Sometimes just a smile or a joke or, you know, a joke about bees. A joke about bees, why their fur is so sticky because they use honeycombs. That's why their fur, the bee fur is so sticky. So, they're all allergic. They were like, you know, having an allergic react. Why? They're breaking out in hives, right? God... So during the storm, so before the storm, we have to prep. Brethren, and that's me too. I make a point to pray, so I don't feel like praying. That's when you really need to pray. Because, you know, that's when you really need God. I need to have a tender heart towards God. Second, during the storm, let's realize God is the sovereign in any storm. He's in control. So when these, their, their boat was in the storm and it was being tossed around, when things are out of control, they're never out of God's control. There's another account in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 that when they were in a boat with Jesus, he was actually in the boat with him this time. And the Bible said there was a great storm of wind that arose. Mark chapter 4 verse 35 and verse uh, going down to verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now now, ships don't float very well if they're full of water. For example, the Titanic, right? You can have all the water on the outside of the ship, but if you get too much water on the inside of the ship, the ship doesn't float. It becomes a artifact, and you get to get the submarines to go look for it on the seafloor. But the Bible said, and he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. No, I don't say this lightly, but if Jesus is on your ship, it won't sink. I mean, he'll break the natural laws. Why? Because if Jesus is on your ship, brethren, he's not going to sink. He walks on the water. And Jesus Christ is on your ship, you're going to be okay. And so a preacher, but how come he was... How come he was sleeping? Doesn't he know that it's time to freak out, you know, in the middle of a storm? That's what the disciples were doing. Now, disciples were the preachers. So if you've ever been a preacher and freaked out, that makes you like the disciples. So, so I'm no better than Peter. So, I'm no better than John. Oh, Jesus, we're going to die. The calmest part of the storm. You know, this is true. In a hurricane is where? Right in North Dakota, 2,000 miles from the hurricane. Well, that's a calm part of the storm, okay? But I'm talking about in the middle of the storm. This is a true fact that the calm, it says skies are often clear in the eye of the storm. So if the hurricane looks like a big wheel turning, right in the middle of that hurricane, it's called the eye of the storm, and it says, uh, it's the calmest section of any hurricane, of any hurricane. Listen, the eye is so calm because this now strong surface winds 
they're, they're going around uh, in a circle. They can't converge towards the center because they're being spun out, right? So they just can't get into that center. So it is actually a, like a protected place. And, you know, I thought, you know, when you're in the will of God, you're in the middle of the storm, but brethren, it's actually a very safe place. You can be asleep with Jesus when things are going crazy all around you. It's not so much what's happening around you that counts. It's the peace of God that's in you that can count. The Bible said, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace like the eye of the storm whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. That's Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. It's like being in the eye of the storm. So preacher, have you ever been in the eye of the storm? I face some little storms, nothing to brag about. I've whined through some storms, you know, added to the wind noise, you know. But the thing is, though, it's so important because right outside of the eye, and this is why it's so important to be in the will of God, right? To, to be right in the will of God, right what God wants you to do. Because if you're in a storm, the eye wall, so right outside of the eye, is called the eye wall. A hurricane's most devastating region is the eye wall, located just outside of the eye. This is the location within a hurricane where the most damaging winds and intense rainfall is found. If we can just get a little bit out of the uh, will of God, we can just get chewed up in the storms. But you know that I, I endeavor in my life and in my heart, God, keep me in the eye of the storm. God, keep me right in the middle where God wants me to be. And the third thing, this is really after the storm, how we said uh, that... In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22, and Jesus straightway, or straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into his ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain to pray, apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. And then in our verse of scripture, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. You know, it's interesting. They were in the will of God, but they were in a storm. And that's just one example, but you can be in the will of God and have crazy stuff happen to your life. So instead of saying, why me? What we need to do is say, wait a second, God. Let me prep before the storm, knowing that it's going to come. And when it comes... Let me make sure I'm in your will. Because you get a piece of God when you're in God's will in the storm. And if you can just realize that I'm going to face storms sometimes, but I got to make sure that things are right between me and God. What did Jesus always do? He'd say, hey, where's your faith? That's what Jesus would always say. Cheer up. Where's your faith? It all goes back to our faith in Jesus Christ. And I get on that lettuce diet, right? Let us draw near. Let us hold fast and let us provoke one another. Get my lettuce diet in. And the last thing is that, that after the storm, the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, an accounting of the same thing, 
for they, verse 50, for they all saw him and were troubled and immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, be of good cheer, it's odd, be not afraid. It's right in the middle of the storm. Jesus there walking on the water. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased. And they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wonder. You see, after the storm blows over, people are going to look back at our conduct in the storm. And if you can weather the storm, you see, people are watching our lives. They're watching when things don't work out at work. They're watching when the coupon doesn't work for the Lucky Charms that expired in 1994, okay? And we're trying to pass it off at Publix. They know all of these things, and their people are watching our lives. In fact, a young lady at a store, she said, you're a pastor, right? Because actually they said, could Adam come to the uh, uh, customer service? So that's my first name. So there's also a guy that works at the store named Adam. They weren't calling for me. So, so I just walked up there and said, I'm here, you know? And, uh, and the lady, they weren't looking for me, okay? But that, since I showed up, she goes, you're a pastor, right? And I said, uh, yes, ma'am. And sh- I said um, something about uh, church. And she goes, yeah, I'm looking for a church. So well, why would she even care that I was a pastor? Well, obviously, I've done something right. Because we go into that store a lot, and they see our lives. Otherwise, she would have been like, you're a pastor, right? What's your church so I don't go there? <laughs> no, but she has seen that. And then when people face a storm in their life, what do they do? They look for somebody who seems like they've got some joy in the storm. What did Jesus say? He said, be of good cheer. The storm was still going on. Jesus, they're like, you're crazy. Why am I going to be of good cheer? Be of good cheer, Jesus said. It is I. That's the only reason we can be of good cheer in a storm is that Jesus is with us. The eye of the storm is around us. Even if the wind is still going and the waves are still going, we can trust that Jesus will be with us. And after the storm blows over, other people will see that Jesus was with us. That Jesus was with us with inflation going on. That Jesus was with us when the nation is so divided over all whatever they're divided about. But that these Christians can still show love these Christians can look, they look around and there's black people and white people and Hispanic people and people of every kind of culture and color. It's like, wow, what's different about this place? Jesus is. And it's because people have done some storm prep. Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. I don't know if you're in a storm, if you're coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go in one. It's one of three, Okay. But let's do our storm prep because it's coming. And brethren, you can pass on the next storm. It could actually be a different, it could almost be fun. No, preacher, never. Storms are rotten and they're scary. I pay to be scared. I do. Have you ever paid to go on a roller coaster? You're paying to be scared. You put a seatbelt on because otherwise you'd die. You put a seatbelt on and you get thrown around in different directions. And hopefully you keep your insides on your inside. But it's fun and people love it. Why? Because they know that eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to stop and they're going to get off and they're going to have a story to tell about how wild it was. And then, you know, it's the same thing with God. God will get me through this storm and I'll be talking about it at a conference or with some other brothers about how faithful and awesome God was. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessing, your 
sovereignty, that storms never surprise you. Lord, let them not surprise us. And Lord, let us keep near our Lord in the eye of the storm. God, give us grace to prepare for the eventuality of storms and give us your grace through the storm that after the storm, others would begin to see the grace of God in us in difficult situations and that they would look to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.